0: Welcome to the Sunny Hill podcast. For more information about service times and locations, please visit SunnyHill.Church. Well, it's so great to be here at Sunny Hills. I know I've met one location, Paul, but for all those I haven't met, uh, my name's Sam. I'm from New Zealand, married, got one wife, got three amazing daughters. Uh, My house is full of females, even my cats are female. So I need a whole lot of prayer, and I often tell people, I now know why God created Adam first. It was so he had a chance to speak, (laughs) so I don't get a chance to speak at home. That's why they send me to other countries, but hey, right now in New Zealand, it's about 11 o'clock at night on a Saturday night. Uh, We are the first country in the world to see the sun. And uh, we bring on a new day. We awaken the dawn, uh, I like to think. And uh, so I'm somebody from your future. I'm about to tell you, this is about to get really, really good. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, this is about to get good. Uh, Look how many people showed up on a Saturday morning. Come on, a good thing's got to be happening with this many people showing up on a Saturday morning. And uh, I see all the good looking people showed up. Is that right? Who's sitting next to somebody good looking? Just lift your hand. Keep your hand lifted up if you sit next to somebody good looking. And uh, just check if the person next to you lifted their hand. Uh, If they didn't, say, get your hand up. Uh, get your hand up. Well, as Pastor Dom said, uh, this is my, uh, uh, I think I'm doing 18 sessions in four four days. So it's a little bit crazy. So you've got to help me out today. You know, you've got to help the brother out up here. And uh, we're going to open the Word of God together. And I believe God's going to speak and minister. Uh, I really believe this time is ordained by God. Uh, you're not here by chance. I'm not here by chance. This is a, a beautiful collision. Uh, It's a beautiful collision where God's going to do something supernatural. And uh, I really believe uh, this church's greatest days are ahead. I like what Isaiah chapter 60 says. It says, The little shall become a thousand, and the small a strong nation, and I will hasten it in its time. You know, I really believe, you know, you've seen great things, but what started out small is going to grow big, and it's going to grow strong, and God's going to do a quick work. How many believe that? Come on, how many can take hold of that? God's saying, come on, the little shall become a thousand. You know, each location quickly growing to a thousand. The small, a strong nation, and I will hasten it in its time. And uh, God wants to do a great work in this place. In fact, my theme scripture for this year comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 9, which says, Paul says, there's a wide open door for a great work here, even though many oppose me. I really believe before you right now is a wide-open door. It can look like a wall, but it's actually a wide-open door. It's like a malls, you see glass walls, and you walk towards those glass walls, and the closer you get, suddenly you realize it's a door. And the moment it senses your presence, it opens up. I really believe things that you looked upon as walls are actually Doors. And the moment that wall senses your presence, it's going to open up because you're a carrier of the Spirit of God. Come on, there's a wide open door for business people in this place, for God to do a great work, not an average work, not a mediocre work, not a normal work, but a great work. There's a wide open door for a great work here, right here, even though many oppose me. Yeah, What I've found is a great work is always in between opportunity and opposition. Every great work is between opportunity and opposition. If you got your Bibles today, I want you to quickly go to Nehemiah chapter 6. Nehemiah chapter 6. We're going to open the Word of God. How many know the Word of God is powerful? It's living. It's active. It's sharper than a double-edged sword. It has the power to locate you today. And how many know when it comes to the promises of God, they are, anybody know? They are, yes, and they are, Amen. So you got to help me out right now. You know, anytime you hear a promise, you have permission to say yes and amen. The promises of God are not a nod, not a smile, not, a, not crossed arms. They are yes and they are amen. I, I like a responsive crowd. Come on, how many like good, how many like good preaching? Uh, Well, I like good congregations. (laughs) And uh, when it comes to faith, faith is not just something that you believe in your heart. Uh, Faith is something that's got to come out of your mouth. You didn't get saved by just believing what's in your heart. You had to declare it with your mouth. You don't move mountains by just believing in your heart. And so every environment, I'm going, come on, let's let's get responsive in this place. Come on, God wants you to do something powerful. And when we amen, we're releasing something into the Spirit in Jesus' name. Nehemiah chapter 6 is an interesting passage of Scripture. It talks about how, how Nehemiah had rebuilt the walls of the city, although he had not hung the gates. And, and there was two guys, three guys who came along, Tobias and Ballad and Geshem. And they said, come on, come down off the wall, Nehemiah. We need to talk to you. But Nehemiah says to them in, in chapter 6, around about verse 3, he says, No, I'm not coming down because I am doing a great work. Somebody say, I am doing a great work. A great work. Come on, I, I really believe you need to say that with conviction this morning. Say, I am doing a great work. Come on, turn to your neighbor, look them in the eyes and let them know the work you're doing. Sunny Hills is doing what? Well, Sunny Hills is doing uh, great work, great work. And, and and he says to his opposition, he says, "Why should the work cease while I come down to you?" Now these three guys, they didn't give up. They sent this message to him three times, four times, in fact. And uh, he gave them the same answer uh, today. I w- I want to talk about the power of distraction because I believe God has got a great work for each and every one of us to do. But one thing the enemy loves to do is he loves to come and try and minimize the work that we're involved in. He loves us to downplay it, you know. He loves us to question its legitimacy, you know. Oh, well, is that really a work of God? I found in my life after this, uh, after every significant step, there's always come a, a level of opposition. I found if you want to take ground in the kingdom of God, uh, you're gonna face opposition. Uh, we're in a world right now where there's only two kingdoms in operation. There's a kingdom of light, and there's a kingdom of darkness. There's only A and B. There's no C, D. It's light and darkness. And, and light, when you turn the lights on, how many know darkness has to go? But we've got a devil right now who wants to stop us taking ground. He wants us just to camp where we are and go no further. And so, if you've got a desire to do a great work, here's the deal you're going to face opposition. It's just like, you know, at a gym, you know, for our growth, you know, opposition is necessary. If you're to get gains at a gym, you've got to take on resistance. And I challenge to say the opposition that we're only up against right now is not a means of our defeat, but it's a source of our growth. And we've got to view opposition in the right light. And here in Nehemiah, we see Nehemiah had a burden to do something about his home city. The walls of his home city had been broken down for some time. And many people had tried to rebuild them, but they hadn't been successful. In fact, for 70 years, the Israelites had tried to rebuild the walls. What they do during the day would be torn down at night. And they were disheartened, they were discouraged. For 70 years, they hadn't been successful. Nehemiah comes along, and in 52 days, he's able to do what they couldn't do in 70 years. Nehemiah's name, the name for Nehemiah, it comes from the word comforter. It actually means comforter. Now, there's somebody else who goes by that name in the New Testament. It's the Holy Spirit, Isn't it interesting what the Holy Spirit can do that religion can't do? Come on, I I wanna declare over Sunny Hills Church that where you've tried and things haven't worked out, I wanna declare the next 52 days are gonna be days of breakthrough. Come on, how many can believe that? 52 days, I don't know whether you wanna mark it in your calendar, write it down. You know, where you've tried hard before and it hasn't worked out. Come on, I wanna declare it's a new day. It's a new day in Jesus name. Those things that you believe for that have seemed afar off, I want to declare God's going to accelerate the work and he's going to do something amazing. 52 days of breakthrough. Yeah, but when you sit out and even declare something like that, the enemy will come in and mock it well really you really think so? Yeah Nehemiah told people what he was going to do. There was a group of people who said, come on, let's arise and build. Let's do this thing. But then the opposition came from three guys. You got Tobiah, you got Sambalat, and you got Geshem. Now, if you unpack their names, Sambalat, at the root of his name is, is sin or Satan. That's what it means. How I many know sin in our lives can stop us moving forward? Now, if we look at the root of Tobiah's name, Tobiah is a type of the flesh, our own flesh gets in the way of God moving. Geshem, his name, is it's like a type of the world. You know, those three things, sin, our flesh, and the world are always in opposition to God's purpose in your life. And, and we've got to recognize it. See, Nehemiah declares, we're going to rebuild this wall. And, the, you know, these guys start mocking him, saying even if you had to rebuild it, if a fox to w- was to walk across it, it, it would fall down. You know, what do you think that, who are these feeble Jews trying to do that? See, the moment you have a dream in your heart to do something great for God, you know, often the enemy will come alongside and you'll mock. Who are you to believe that? You know, look, you did that back then. Who, Who are you to believe that God could work on your behalf? You know, you're not good enough. You know, you don't have what it takes. And the enemy comes and questions, puts questions in our mind. That stop us moving forward. But I love the spirit of Nehemiah because he was able to overcome those and he was able to do something amazing. Come on, in 52 days, he was able to do what previous generations were unable to do in 70 years. And he said, I'm not coming down off that wall. Why should the work cease while I come down to you? The question I wanna ask you this morning is what would get you down off the wall of God's purpose for your life? Come on, God's got a purpose for each and every one of our lives. You're not on this planet by chance. Somebody's saying, well, I'm looking for a sign. Well, here's a sign. You're not dead. (laughs) You're alive. The fact that you got breath in your lungs means that God has got a purpose for your life. He's got a great work ahead of you. If you just choose to put your trust in Him, Uh, the enemy knows. He knows, hey, if he can't destroy you, just like Nehemiah, what he wants to do is he wants to actually distract you. Because a distracted Christian is as good as a destroyed Christian. You know, you and I can get distracted easily. How many get distracted from time to time? Some of you are distracted right now thinking about lunch. In fact, I once read a billboard that said, don't read billboards. They're distracting. Uh, In New Zealand right now, there's an advert campaign. And it's uh, when it comes to driving, uh, you know, how many know texting and driving, talking on your phone and driving is a no-no. Yeah, uh, a lot of us have done that. How many ever done that before? Talked on their phone, uh, text on their phone. Come on, you can be honest in church. Some of you are lying right now. Come on, if you've ever done that, I want you to own it. How about lifting your hands? Look at all you people, Man. Man, I'm going to report you right now. Uh, uh, But there's an ad campaign that says it takes two seconds to kill. Only two seconds to kill. Two two seconds driving at 50 k's an hour. You you go 36 meters and you you could kill some people. Just two seconds distracted. And what it's saying is a distracted driver is a dangerous driver. Dom, a distracted driver is a is a dangerous one. Is a dangerous one. I know you've had a few accidents lately. Yeah, a distracted driver. Yeah, Pepsi Max, Diet Coke. You know a, a distracted driver is a dangerous is a. Dangerous Dangerous driver. But I want to suggest to you, a distracted Christian is a dangerous Christian. Yeah, If I'm a good thief, which I'm not, by the way, I just want to clarify that. But, but if I'm a good thief and I go into a shop, what am I going to create? I'm going to create a distraction. I'm going to try and get the shop owner focusing over here while I take something from them over here. That's what the enemy does. He causes a distraction to what? To steal from you. Could it be right now? You're having stuff stolen from your life, but you don't even know. You don't even know because you're distracted. How do you know whether you're distracted? See, it's not just what you're distracted by. It's actually what you're distracted from. Come on, God's got a great work A great work for you to do. Quickly, how do you know whether you're distracted? Number one is you have an inability to focus. An inability to focus. I love Nehemiah because he had a focus to his life. Why should I come down off this wall? I am doing a great work. Why should the work cease and I come down to you? Here's the deal. Unless you're convinced you're doing a great work, you're in danger of being distracted. You know, this is not just another work. This is a great work. Unless you're convinced in your heart that this is a great work, you're in danger of looking for other alternatives. I want to declare what God's doing in Sunny Hills is a great work. Come on, this is a miracle in motion. This is a move of God. Come on, is there any believers in there? Yeah, you know, this is a move of God in this place. This is a great work. What a work to get involved in. Yeah, you know, I believe it's so important. As Christians, as people, we live with vision. Proverbs 29 verse 18 says, Without vision, the people perish. How many know? Without vision, you don't just survive. You actually Perish. Yeah, you know, some people think, oh, I'm all right, you know, and, but you're blown by the wind. You're blown by your circumstances, and, and God wants you and I to live with vision, without an ongoing revelation. One vision says people cast off restraints. You know, so many people struggle with motivation. I found motivation is not a discipline issue. Some of us are beating ourselves up right now and saying, I need to be more disciplined. You know, with my health, I need to be more disciplined with this. I need to be more disciplined with this. You know, when it comes to to motivation, it's not a a discipline issue, it's a vision issue. See, in the absence of vision, you will not be disciplined. Yeah, our young people, I love the fact that we put them on the road, a revolution tour, you know, going around through high schools throughout the nation. They don't have hardly any sleep. Uh, But, but, They somehow are disciplined to to go to bed late at night, wake up in the morning, go to the next place. Why? Because they've got vision. You know, a lot of people, young people are committed. You know, they spend a whole lot of hours staying up late, you know, playing video games, playing Fortnite and what have you. Why? Because they've got a vision. It may not be a good vision, but that's what causes them to do it. How do you know whether you're living with vision or not? You know you're living with vision when you've got something in your spirit. It's in your spirit. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, he says, No eye has seen. Oh, will get that out. No eye has seen. Everyone say, no eye, no eye has seen. <laughs> no ear has heard, and no mind can comprehend. Now listen to this, what God has got in store for you. You can't see it with your natural eyes. You can't hear about it with your natural ears. You can't understand it and hear. Many people right now are trying to intellectualize God. But if you try and understand God in your mind, that means God can't be bigger than your mind, which isn't that smart. How you receive anything from God is in your spirit, is vision. It lands in your spirit, and it doesn't make sense to your mind. You receive it, and Paul says, "But the Spirit of God reveals those things to us." How do you know you're living with vision? You know, it's like when you go shopping. How many of you like going shopping? You go shopping, you see something you like, and and you try it on, and you think, "Man, I look good in this." This is I I need this. I need this, and and you check the price tag, and you think, "Ah, it's beyond my budget." And so you put it back on the shelf and you walk out, but you can't get out of your mind what you've just seen. You've seen it and and you think, I need this. You know, you go home and you're thinking about it. You wake up in the morning and and, and you wake up with that picture in your mind. Come on, how many know what I'm talking about? A whole lot of ladies should lift their hand. Yeah, they know the shopping thing, right? So what do you do? What do you do? Is you scheme as to how you can get the money together to go back and purchase what you've already purchased. How many know the moment you saw it, it was just a matter of time? So so you get home, you scheme, you say, we can cut back here make some cuts there. The kids don't need that in their lunch this week. (laughs) Yeah. What are you doing? You're building restraints because you've got a vision because the moment you saw it, it was just a matter of time before you took possession of it. That's why God said to the Israelites, he said, see, I've given you the promised land. He said, see, I've given it. He gave it to them before they took possession of it. Right now, I wonder what we could see in the spirit. Come on, Sunny Hills, I wonder whether we could go shopping in the spirit today. Come on, that's what we're doing. Yeah, it's beyond us. But when we see it, then we put the restraints around our lives to be a, actually to be able to take hold of it. Uh, right now, God wants us to live with vision. So many people just settle for what's on. You know how many have listened to the radio and you, you just heard a good tune on the radio, and I think, man, that's a good beat, good melody line. And the next minute, it's not just the beat; you're singing the lyrics, and then you catch yourself and you think, what the heck am I singing? Yeah, 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 yeah you've ever been there and it's like I don't know if I agree with these lyrics these these lyrics you know Miley Cyrus years ago at, at the Billboard of worlds did some twerking and d- different things and and uh, and people got upset and one commentator I read said well she was just outworking what people have been singing for years the lyrics people sing are actually were worse than what she did on stage but people were upset. What was manifest, you know, how many know whatever we confess with our mouth will materialize in our, our world? It's only a matter of time, and so many people just settle for what's on. You know, you walk into a room and somebody's watching the TV, and, and you go, What are you watching? And they go, oh, I don't know, it's just on. It was just on. You know, God's giving you the flipping remote. If you don't like what's on, let's change the channel my vision, I challenge to say you're walking towards whatever picture you have on the inside right now. If you have a picture of defeat, negativity, if you have a, 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 a picture of insignificance, that's what you'll live out. But if you have a picture that brings hope, that brings freedom, enlargement, a picture of your friends saved, come on, a picture of growth, a picture of God doing miracles. Come on, we need to go shopping in the Spirit. Come on, if we're gonna clap, let's clap a little better than that. Come on, let's give God a big clap of praise. Come on, you gotta get it in your spirit. Yeah, you gotta land it in here. Otherwise, you're in danger of just settling for what's on. Oh, it's just on. It's just on. So many people just settle for what's on. And, and you know you're distracted when you have an inability to focus. Second way you know that you're distracted is when you're looking to God and others to do what you can do for yourself. You're looking to God and others to do what you can do for yourself. You know, over the years, many people have prayed for revival. God, bring revival, bring revival, bring revival. And he says, no, you do it. Yeah, we need God, but God's done everything he's needed to do for us to live in the fullness of what he's planned for our life. He said, Jesus, we're living in victory right now. Here's the deal, you are the answer you've been looking for. The answer is not outside of you. The answer is in you. And I love the story of Nehemiah because if you go back into chapter three, you'll see that there's a whole lot of names and next to him was him and next to him was him and next to him was him. And uh, there's all these names, but then in about you know, tw- verse 20 or something around there, it says, you know, this person made, opposite, uh, made repairs opposite his house and this person made repairs opposite his house. How was this work able to be done in 52 days? It's because everybody took responsibility for what was in front of them. They made repairs opposite them, their house. This person made Hesop, made repairs opposite his house. Messiah made, opposite, made repairs opposite his house. Now, so many people today are looking to the, the few. Oh, well, we'll wait to see what the leaders do. Nah, but imagine a church where everyone's involved. Come on, that's a New Testament church where everybody's taking responsibility for what's in front of them. Uh, one thing we did growing up, we shifted a lot, and uh, I hate shifting. Shifting's a lot of work because how many know we accumulate a whole lot of crap <laughs> and we hold on to stuff that we think we need? Uh, just, you know, we hold it just in case. You know, people hold on to their, their high school notes. Or the university notes, thinking, oh, I might need to refer back to it at some point in time. How I many know it's safe to say you can throw those babies away? Yeah, it's like, and, and what moving does is, is you don't want to have to carry a whole lot of unnecessary stuff into the next space. So there's benefits of moving as you get to get rid of a whole lot of rubbish. The other benefit of moving is, is you find stuff that you forgot you had. It was with you all along but you forgot your had it and you go, oh, I could use that right now. That's awesome. Oh, I, I forgot about that. The other thing about shifting is you're often moving into a new space, so you need to go out and purchase some new stuff. Who doesn't like new stuff? New stuff is cool. Yeah, you know, I'm really believing that there's going to be a shift in this place, a shift in, where we're going to be able to get rid of junk, wrong thinking that's holding us back. Holy Spirit's going to come and, and remind us of some of the things that he's done already in our life. We forgot about it, but he's going to remind us. And then all of us are going to go out and get something new in Jesus' name. Come on, do I get an amen to that? Amen. But one of the things I hated shifting growing up was the piano. Piano's are a mission to move. None of us really played it, but we had one. And I got two brothers, and so my dad, my two brothers would take a corner each, and we'd say, "Come on, let's get this thing off the ground." And we we count uh, down from uh, count to three: go one, two, three. Ah, get it up in the air, only to realize the door behind us is closed. (laughs) Uh, How many know? Once you get it in the air, you don't want to put it down. And and, and so I say to my brother, "Hey, I'll I'll take your weight while you open the door." Okay. And so, so I braced myself to take the extra weight. He'd take his hands off try to open the door, and I'll go, the weight hasn't changed. (laughs) I go, what was he carrying in the first place? He had the strain on his face. But he was carrying diddly squat. He was carrying jack, man. And it's like, you know, a lot of people in church are like that they got the strain on their face. <laughs> but really, when it comes to the kingdom of God, they're carrying nothing. Come on, come on. If, if we're really moving forward, it means that we've got to take responsibility. You know, we can't just give commentaries of, on how the church is doing. Too many people give commentaries. We don't need your commentaries. We don't, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to, to, to look, to, to point to, to say that we've got issues. Do you know every church has got issues? Uh, but do you know what it takes? It takes somebody anointed by God to become an answer. For too long, the church has been in a place where we're believing for answers. Do you know that's wilderness living? Promised land living is when you become the answer. You are the answer you've been looking for. If you see a need, you're responsible. You know, it's not like, here I am, God sent him, send her. I don't have time. As like, no, God's called you. He's chosen you. you know, some years ago, I, I, I got a prophetic word. And uh, the guy said to me, I see a bodybuilder. And I go, yeah, that's me. No, <laughs> no, it's not me. <laughs> uh, but he said, the problem with this bodybuilder is they've got a big upper body, but they've got skinny legs. In other words, they skipped leg day. And many know leg day at the gym is painful? Leg, leg day can do a lot of damage for the days after. You can hardly walk. Uh, they're like jelly. So a lot of people, you know, they're building the upper, upper body, but they forget the legs. Yeah, yeah uh, he didn't give me any interpretation, but I went away and prayed about it. And I, I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, hey, your upper body, the upper body of the church represents the corporate identity of the church. A lot of people can be in churches like this and think they're changing the world. Because look at what Sunny Hills is doing, look what we're doing, but you're doing nothing. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, yeah, a lot of people are coming along to equip us, thinking they're doing this, planting churches, all over the world. Uh, but, but they're sitting there, and really they're not taking responsibility for what's in front of them. And I felt God say to me, Sam, you need to strengthen the legs. You need to strengthen the legs of the church, because if I'm going to do what I want to do, it's going to require everyone. We, we all need to work this out. We have the saying at our church, we are who we are. Everyone say that. Turn to your neighbor and say it. That's a simple statement. But but what's that saying is, we are who we are. You know, a lot of people like to think, you know, when it comes to the church, you know, who they are individually is different to who we are corporately. You know, in fact, over time, you know, being in pastoral ministry a long time now, over 20 years, you know, uh, people go, oh, well, what's the church doing about the homeless? You know, what's the church doing about the homeless? Well, the question is, what are you doing about the homeless? Because we are who we are. It's almost like they want the church to be something different to who they are individually. They want the church to be something different corporately to, to who they are individually. But, but you know, if you're not generous, the church is not going to be generous. Because we are who we are. If, if you don't bring any praise and worship, you know, how we should approach church is we should approach church like we're the only ones. You know, if we didn't lift our voice in worship today, how many? No, nobody did. But so often we come into church and we leave it to somebody else. But you've got to understand, we are. Who we are? Come on, don't get offended at me right now. Yeah, you know, some of you are going really, really, yeah. You know, the only place you should say what's the church doing about this is the mirror. That's the only place you should say that. Some of you are really? Oh, I don't know about that. Here, here's the deal: you need to be a Christian to survive church. you know, many people get offended and walk off. No, you need walk with a spirit of love and forgiveness and grace. And, and, and what I found, you know, I want to challenge you today because what I found is if something doesn't have the power to offend you, it doesn't have the power to change you. And, and some of us, you know, we've looked at church as an organization or church as, you know, Dom and Lou, you know, they're the church. No, but we are the church. We are the church. If we're a believer in church, we are. We are who we are. And we're going to look sometimes in the mirror because sometimes we're expecting the church to be something that we're not. But imagine a church where everybody is functioning and what God's called them to do. How do you know whether you're distracted? You're looking to God and others to do what you can do for yourself. Number three, how do you know whether you're distracted? Is You engage in endless debate. You engage in endless debate. Well, you see that on social media. A whole lot just people debating things. It's just a waste of time in a lot of places. You know, in in Nehemiah chapter six, verse four, if you read on from verse four, these guys came again the fifth time. And Nehemiah says, I answered them in the same manner. But then they, they changed tack and they started making rumors about it. They say, it's rumored around that you're only doing this because you wanna be their king. And you've had prophets proclaim you in Jerusalem. And, and so what are they doing now? They're, they're questioning his motives. They're saying, yeah, you're trying to position yourself, Nehemiah. You're not doing this for the people. It's all about you because you want to be king. And I love Nehemiah's response in about verse 8. He says, no, these things aren't true. You just invent them in your own heart. How many know our judgments say more about us than what we're judging. Our judgments say more about us than what we're judging. And I love Nehemiah's response. No, this is more about you. It's not about me. You're trying to make up all these things, but really, that's your agenda. You know, and so often, you know, we can make judgments, but, you know, whenever we make a judgment, our judgments say more about us. I've taught my daughters growing up. You know, I've got three daughters, and how many know siblings can be nasty to one another? From time to time, they can say horrible things. And I've taught my daughters in growing up, if your sister sister says something horrible to you, she's only saying it because she doesn't feel good about herself. Just forget about it. Don't wear it. She's only saying that because she doesn't like herself. I love the fact that my daughters have got hold of this. In fact, when my oldest was 11 years old, a boy came to her at school and said something really nasty to her. So much so it made it her, her want to cry. But she thought about it for a moment and she says, Thomas, you're only saying that because you don't like yourself. <laughs> Boom, right there. He took two steps back. And he said, you know, you're right. My mom and parents had just separated and my dad's trying to take all my mom's money. And plus I have just been to the doctor and I'm in danger of having diabetes. To which my daughter said, can I pray for you? Yeah, I I love the fact that she recognized that criticism wasn't even about her. You know, so often people can say nasty stuff simply because there's an insecurity in their own heart. And our judgments don't say anything about what we're judging. They often say something about us and the smallness on the inside. And that's why people get engaged and engage in endless debates about stuff. And it stops us really moving forward. You know, some years ago, um, my oldest daughter invited me to her school camp. She was about nine years old at the time, uh, and she wanted me to come. And you know, it was sort of cool to be invited by your daughter to come to camp. But the thought of hanging out with a whole lot nine-year-old girls didn't really excite me. And and so I said, "Yeah, yeah, I'll come," but I only can come for one day. And so I filled out application for it and I took I only can come for one day. And uh, anyway, we sent it away. And then there was one day I was picking her up from school and I was picking her up and uh, she uh, jumped in the car and she burst into tears. She burst into tears and she said, Dad, you didn't get accepted for camp. They don't need you to come to camp. And I felt really sad for her, but yeah, on the inside, you know, I was like, yeah. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, anyway, my daughter's a little bit persistent. So the next year came around and uh, she said, Dad, you're coming to camp, but you're coming for the full time. So, again, we got the forms, we filled them out, police records, tick, everything, you know, sent them in, didn't hear anything. In the meantime, I was planning a church in uh, a city two and a half hours drive from where we live in Totonga. And uh, we'd drive down on a Thursday night and uh, we'd drive back late at night after the service and often uh, get back at one o'clock in the morning. Now, you've got to understand, up to that time, Dom, I had never got a speeding ticket. Uh, but when you're in the purpose of God, sometimes you face opposition. Sometimes you get opposition. And and one night coming home late, I got a speeding ticket. I got my first speeding ticket. And I came home, told Kathy, uh, went to sleep, didn't think any of it. Anyway, Kathy in the morning was speaking to the girls and she said, oh, do you know Dad got a speeding ticket? To which my oldest daughter heard. And she ran upstairs, ran into our room and goes, Dad, what, what were you doing? Why are you thinking driving that fast? And I'm going, you know, she's really upset. and I'm going, oh, it's just a speeding ticket. I can pay it. It's all right. She goes, Dad, you're stupid. You're an idiot for driving that fast. Don't you know you won't be able to come to camp? <laughs> uh, we filled in the police form. You know, and now you're going to get rejected. And it took me a while just to, you know, bring her down to say, hey, one speeding ticket is not going to make me a criminal. <laughs> But do you know what? That's what the enemy does to us. Yeah, he loves to engage with debate. Remember what you did back then? Yeah, you, who are you to think you could do that now? Yeah, first, first year I got rejected because I signed up half hearted. Second year I got accepted, I went to camp. But how many know what you do for one daughter you've got to do for the next? (laughs) But get this, with the next one, my my second daughter came home, and Ruby came home and she says, she says, Dad, Dad, the teachers are asking you to come to camp. So get this, first year, I was rejected. Second year, I was accepted. Third year, I was requested. Do you know right now God requests something of you? God is asking something of you. He wants to partner with you to do something great. Come on, God's hand is upon you. He's anointed you. He's chosen you. And He's chosen you to outwork it in this community. I pray we're not here just because we thought it was a good idea to come together on a Saturday morning. I pray we know God's call. Come on, God's brought this community together to change this region. Come on, to have an impact in this nation. Come on, there's a prophetic destiny on your life. You know, you're not here just sucking up air. God's got a purpose for you in Jesus' name. And we're got to see, we can't live distracted. A, a, a dangerous driver, is a distracted one. A distracted Christian is a dangerous Christian. Bible says in Psalm 90, verse 12, number your days that you may gain a heart of wisdom. Right now, your heart is beating. But there's going to come a day when this is just going to stop you're going to get into eternity and the question is asked, did you do what I asked you to do? Come on, there's many things right now that can grab our attention: money, material possessions, just family issues. But I found when you seek after God, you go after God. God sorts all those other things out. When you prioritize God, here's the deal, you never come second when you put God first. If you just honor Him, it's amazing what God could do. I want everyone to stand to your feet. Come on, the Holy Spirit's in this place. He showed up when we showed up. But He wants to make Himself known. People without vision, the Bible says one vision, that careless. I want to say, don't be careless with your life. You're born for kingdom purpose. God's called you to do something great. You can't afford to be distracted. Come on, God has a focus. Right now in this place, if you're here, you just recognize, man, I've been distracted. You're saying, God, I want to bring a focus to my life. What I want you to do is just lift your hands high, just right across this place. Wow, number of people. Come on, in this moment, God's going to do something because if He focuses our heart, the potential in this room is enormous. It's enormous. It's huge. If you've got a heavenly language, I want you to start to use that heavenly language and speak in tongues. Come on, I I just want you to open your mouth and and, and out loud, not under your breath, out loud, break the sound barrier. Come on. Come on, just let that heavenly language go because it's His power. It's His Spirit. That's going to bring life. Come on, you got to let go of every weight. Every weight and sin that would ensnare you, that will hold you back, that will stop you running. Some of you, it's like you've gone down to a dawdle, but God wants you to run. God wants you to run right now. We lift you up. We magnify you in this place. Come on, just let that language go. Come on, just for a few moments. Come on, out of your spirit. Not out of your mind, out of your spirit. Lord, oh, let dreams come alive. Dead dreams, live in Jesus' name. Let there be an awakening in the Spirit. Lord, we thank You, Lord, that You've called us by, uh, by our name. Lord, we are Your workmanship, and we've been created in You for good works that You've prepared in advance for us to do. Lord, and we thank You, God, that You're going to reveal them. You're going to release them in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, come and speak to people. Lord, let there be a casting aside of those things that are hindering. Lord, let there be a breaking through. Lord, every ceiling, we pray in Jesus' name. Lord, we lift our voice right now to you in praise. Come on, praise is the language of breakthrough. Come on, I want you to lift your voice, not quietly, not passively. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. We're just going to sing, Waymaker, I want you to lift your voice. Let's sing it out. Come on, everyone in this place. Come on, lift your hands. Let's sing it out. Thank you, Jesus. Just with your hands lifted in this place, I feel some of you have come looking for direction. As others in this place, you've stepped out in a dream and it hasn't worked in the past and disappointments got into your spirit. God wants to break every spirit that would hold you back and so say, he's gonna make a way where there's no way. He's going to bring something about. You know, there's others. You're just under a cloud of oppression. And God wants to lift that cloud of oppression off you. Come on, if you witness with any of those words, just lift your hands high. Because we thank you, Holy Spirit. You're here to bring life, you're here to bring freedom, hope. And right now, we thank you, God, that you're releasing miracles in people's lives. And we declare this is a new day in Jesus' name. And we're going to live for you and your purpose. Lord, we're called and we're chosen and we're anointed to, to do everything you've commissioned us to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on, and everybody said. Come on, let's give God one big clap of praise right now. Come on, let's sing.